0: Broadcasting live from Forward Observer Central Command in Austin, Texas It's the man always out front on the issues You're listening to Out Front with Samuel Culper Welcome to Out Front with Samuel Culper. I'm your host, Samuel Culper. I really hope the audio is much better for this episode. I think the last one I forgot to click something on. I don't know. Today I'm going to talk to you about battle tracking. Because this thing in Louisville is already starting to pop off. And I got an email this afternoon which reads... I hope he doesn't mind me reading this email. But This guy writes, Hey Sam, remember, I remember your Wargaming Ferguson exercise... But I can't find it. Do you think you can do a quick rundown of some steps to take and resources to use to wargame a developing situation like Louisville today? Currently watching local news live stream, local reporter Twitter feed, and using my Google Maps. End quote. Well, all right. He's talking about Operation Urban Charger. And that's when we battle-tracked, we did this exercise to battle-track uh, the Ferguson riots in 2014. And this was kind of a coming of age for SHTF intelligence because we proved that it can be done. A handful of volunteers, fellow intelligence analyst who's actually stationed in South Korea at the time, and myself proved that by using commercial off-the-shelf technology and the intelligence cycle, that we could generate real-time intelligence, not too dissimilar to what's produced by a three-letter agency or a fusion cell. And so, I'll tell you what, I, this show is going to be, I'm going to talk about how to do this stuff, and I actually have an entire presentation on this, so I'm going to open this up, and I'm just going to talk through these slides. Uh, I will make these slides available to my Patreon supporters. If you would like to support this show, if you want access to these slides, head over to patreon.com slash and pitch me a few bones per month to keep the show going. I'm talking about things that nobody else is even touching, and especially on the intelligence side. I'm giving you insight into intelligence operations, how to do this stuff. Literally no one else, literally. Nobody else is doing or talking about this stuff. And so here's a personal thank you to everyone who supports this podcast. It is greatly appreciated. Um, All right. Well, the rest of the show is going to cover how you can do some basic level battle tracking. Uh, starting today and into the weekend. And I highly recommend that you do this, even if you live outside of Louisville, because chances are good that there are going to be a lot more of these types of events from November to January. And that means a lot of civil unrest and potentially political violence that's going to occur between November and January. So get the practice now. Seriously, get the experience while you still can, because you can go back and read my blog posts on it. You can go back and listen to old podcasts on it, uh, and you can kind of get this book knowledge. Generally, oh, okay, I see how, how all this stuff works. I see what I should be doing. But until you actually jump in waist deep and get involved in reporting streams and getting used to what we call the op tempo, which is the operational tempo, or what we call the battle rhythm, okay, the battle rhythm of a, debe- a developing situation, until you get used to operating under those constraints... You really will lack experiential knowledge, and just like going into a gunfight, uh, you know it's much better to have experienced a gunfight in training before you actually get to a real gunfight in real life, where there's no do-overs and you know uh, there's no AAR where everyone doesn't come meet up and talk about what went wrong. All right, so I have these slides pulled up, right, Shaw, and I'm just going to talk about what we did. From memory, man, it's, it's been almost six years. Actually, it has been six years since we've done this. All right, so let's talk about this case study on the Ferguson riots. So let's transport ourselves back to whenever it was. I think it was like August 2014. And there were already some riots, and we were waiting to hear on what the district attorney was going to do with regard to, is he going to charge this police officer who shot and killed um, Oh, what's his name? I don't even remember what his name is. This, this black kid who, had, who ended up attacking. He attacked the police officer. The police officer shot him. The hands-up, don't-shoot thing was a total lie. Mike, Mike Brown that was the name of the black kid, I think. And we were waiting for this decision. And everyone's kind of waiting with bated breath. We knew that if this police officer did not get... If he was not going to get charged with murder... We knew that there was just going to be an absolute burn-it-down riot. As a matter of fact, the stepfather of Mike Brown said, uh, he said, they were doing this press conference. And he said, burn this mf -er down. I want you all to burn this bitch down or something to that effect. And (laughs) that's exactly what they did. So we're waiting. We've Got our our Twitter streams lined up like this guy who emailed in. You know, we're trying to find the reporters who are on the ground. Okay, let's get them loaded up on Twitter so we can follow in real time what they're posting. Let's go out and find these Periscope and Twitter video live feeds or people, you know, videoing. Let's uh, find all these pictures. Let's find the hashtags. So, by the way, as I'm describing all this stuff, you should be taking notes. And then, you know, you can practice it today. For Louisville, you know, I'm sure... I think there's a reason why they wait to publish all this stuff on like a Wednesday or a Thursday because, you know, if they publish it on a Monday, eh, maybe you won't have mass riots throughout the weekend. But, you know, if you publish this stuff later in the week, everyone gets riled up, and then, boom, they're off of work Friday at 5 p.m., straight to the streets. All right. So, take notes on this stuff. In addition to, you know, Facebook, Twitter... Periscope, wherever social media, wherever this stuff is being commented on or live streamed on whatever social media platform, go find all that stuff now, like today. Write that down. You know, get your browsers up, or use you know Twitterfall, or I don't know. I talk about a lot of different uh, social media tools we can use. Get all that stuff lined up. By the way, it's better if you have a team. So grab a buddy, grab a friend, and say, hey. We're going to do this intelligence exercise, try to keep up. So, um, you know, for what it was worth, we were watching local news, cable news. Uh, as participants commented, uh, several participants commented, we were routinely between 5 to 15 minutes ahead of what was coming on cable news. So cable news wasn't really that great of a source for us. In addition, we co- We uncovered a lot of stuff, just an, a ton of stuff that wasn't even commented on all these, you know, you had all these liberals coming out after Ferguson and say, Oh, there was no, there were no gunshots. Nobody was shooting at police wrong. Cause you know what? I recorded that entire scanner that, that entire night. And you can hear those police officers saying shots fired, shots fired. And you can hear gunshots in the background of people shooting at police officers. And so, you know, we're talking about a primary source here. This is not the, the narrative you know the the web of lies that have been spun to fit the narrative by mainstream media a secondary source this is a primary source we actually went to you know the people who were there and that's the best thing we can do in intelligence is get get as direct sources as possible now so we had but before i talk about how we set stuff up Okay, we're in this situation. We're listening to the local police scanner. And it was just kind of like this dream scenario because you had multiple agencies, right, on the federal, state, and local level, and they all had to have communications interoperability. Well, they didn't have that on their, on their encrypted channels, their encrypted radio channels. So mostly they operated in the clear. Now, they did have a couple tac channels that we did not have access to. Those were encrypted. I think probably the most sensitive information was transmitted on the tac channels but for your rank and file police officer who, were, who was out there on the street they didn't have these encrypted radio channels they transmitted in the clear and that's what enabled us to listen into it and really to battle track very effectively because you know if you think about who ex- who has the knowledge it's the people on the ground and they were transmitting in the clear, so we were really getting raw data directly from these primary sources who were there. And I remember waiting, listening to the police scanner, and all of a sudden, there's this call sign called Warfighter 33. And Warfighter 33 was the call sign for the National Guard commander. I didn't figure that out till later, but I kept hearing this, Warfighter 33, Warfighter 33, coming over the radio. And I didn't think it was police. And it turns out Warfighter 33 started telling his units, they or his you know teams or squads or whatever to go out to their static security checkpoints. He basically said, All right, everybody, you know, kind of move out. I forget exactly what he said, but I have the transcript somewhere. I just don't have it on me right now. He's basically saying, All right, go ahead and move out to your static security locations and let's get ready. And that to me was a red flag. It's like, okay. If this National Guard commander is telling his troops to go ahead and go out and start staging for riots, then we're probably going to have some riots, which means there's probably a no true bill on the way. And turns out, I, I think it was like a 30 or maybe 60 minute head start. So we had, I think it was about 60 minutes. So we had 60 minutes to prepare from the time that we overheard Warfighter 33 tell his troops to move out, to go ahead and start building their, you know, get to their security checkpoints or whatever they were calling them that's forever in a day during a riot a 60 minute head start is a lifetime especially when you start to consider how out of control and how quickly these this riot developed in ferguson so we had a 60 minute head start i mean we're on discord you know i started pinging everybody on facebook and discord i'm like hey if you're going to jump on this thing jump on let's go ahead and i started i was the the ace chief for this, the analysis and control element, the ACE, I was the ACE chief for this exercise, and I started go ahead and I uh, started assigning tasks. Okay, you follow this Twitter account and report on it. You, you know, follow these hashtags. Uh, you know, you uh, monitor the local news channel. You do this. You do that. Let's make sure that we get a pretty broad as broad a coverage as we can. Make sure that we have people monitoring these feeds, and then when something when information of intelligence value comes across your feed, type it up into the into the reporting channel here on Discord, hit enter, and now it'll pop up in my feed. And now I can see, you know, everyone's reporting what they're supposed to be monitoring. And, you know, now we're compiling. And so I had one guy map. I said, all right, if anything comes across this feed that has a location on it, I want you to drop a pin on this Google Earth map and we we're using basically um, only one person could map at a time and I tell you I still haven't found a very good collaborative mapping tool where we could move you know move these pins in real time but what we're doing is we're taking raw data and we're visualizing it on a map okay great there's a picture of a humvee and a security checkpoint with troops there's a picture that just popped up on the news or Facebook or wherever. Okay, here's a here's a business in the background, or here's a here's a street sign in the background. Okay, where is that? Great, let's drop a pin on the map. You know, one X V four X packs, or four you know four personnel, whatever. Let's drop that pin on a map, and in a pretty short period of time, like thirty minutes, we had a pretty good idea of what the security situation looked there. As a matter of fact, we um, one of the guys. Volunteered, uh, made a map of all the National Guard positions. So whenever there was a picture of a National Guard unit, or whenever National Guard, uh, you know, unit or team or whatever came on the radio, or squad rather, came on the radio and said, "All right, we're checked in at you know, checkpoint Bravo, or whatever." Okay, great. Let's figure out where that is. Drop a pin, and he made a map of one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, at least five likely static checkpoints, one National Guard Humvee that maybe was driving up at the time, and then Tango 2 and 3, which I think were TAC units from St. Louis Police Department, or may, I, maybe there's some high-speed tactical units from National Guard. I don't know exactly who they were. But Tango 2 and 3, you can see them on the map. I, I've already published all that stuff, on page, all the slides on Patreon. You can see their, their initial location was still in St. Louis. All right, so this gives us a really good picture of, of where the National Guard is. And then we did the same thing for these police units. Sorry, I'm trying to catch up here. All right, so we did this all throughout the night. It was until like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning or something like that. And as new pieces of information, as we found new pieces of information, we added it to our, our situational template, our sit temp, or we dropped a pin and add it to the situational map of the SIP map. And if one of these static locations moved, if it's Squad 106, who is at Fleurson Avenue and 5th Street, and all of a sudden they moved, you know, there are, there are numerous instances where these police squads would come in over the radio and said, hey, you know, we're being approached, we're being shot at, what do you want us to do? And whoever the commander of the situation was would say, we'll move go somewhere else, you know, retreat. So that's exactly what they did. So as best as possible, you know, we would move that pen to where this new location where they went to. And it's kind of like, you know, playing chess or checkers throughout the night. You're moving pins, you're dropping new pins, you're trying to figure out where everyone is and what everyone's doing. And the end result really is very good situational awareness. I mean, like near real-time situational awareness. Like if we had been in that situation we were able to, you know, I would feel very confident that I would know whether or not I was in danger. If I would know where these people were, where these rioters were, where they're setting fires, where they're breaking into stores, where shots were fired. And if I were in Ferguson at at that time, I would feel very confident that I would not uh, be immediately attacked without any knowledge that these people were there. And that's really where where we need to get to because I look at what could happen between November and January. Now, I've already said I moved out of Austin, but if I but I, if I still live downtown somewhere, uh, I would be very interested in where these potentially writers are, if there is writing somewhere between November and January or whenever it's going to be. There could be a, there could be a riot next week. Who knows what's going to happen next week? But especially for people who want to monitor their nearest towns or their nearest cities for anything, even protests, right? I mean, there could be a protest during the day, and then five minutes after sundown, it's dark, and then people go haywire. So let's talk about our real-time input, and I want you to make a list of this stuff. And then either in Louisville tonight or throughout the week or over the weekend, I want you to sit down – and try to find all these sources and just monitor them. And very quickly, you're going you're gonna to experience overwhelm because there is going to be – if there is a riot that pops off, there's going to be far more information coming in than your little brain or my little brain alone is able to handle. Because you know a lot of people think that our brains are like machines or our brains are computers, and they're not. We can only process so much information at one time. And we we are going to suffer from overload. And this is, by the way, this is why I want you to grab a friend or we do it with your prepper group or whatever, your community security team. Just practice this. And not only are you going to get experience with the battle rhythm or the op tempo, but you're also going to afterwards be able to reflect and say, hey, let's have an AAR. Let's have an after-action review. Let's write down some lessons learned which, by the way, I'm going to share with you some lessons learned from when we battle-tracked the inauguration in 20, January 2017, January 20th, 2017. I'm going to share, at the end of the show, I'm going to share with you my lessons learned, my personal lessons learned. All right, so let's talk about inputs. We sit down, we're going to battle-track this thing. How do we get real-time information? Well, number one, police scanner is my number one go-to source, and there are a couple of caveats on that. A lot of people say, well, I don't need a police scanner because I got the 5.0 app or I've got some online police scanner thing. I can listen to it from my iPhone. I don't need to spend the money to buy a police scanner. Well, no offense, but you're wrong. These online police scanners like Broadcastify or the what's it called, the 5.0 scanner app or whatever, I've got those. Uh, They will work in a pinch. But one thing that we have noticed, like during J-20 and some other like the Baltimore riots and some other things, law enforcement will actually go to Broadcastify or the people who are restreaming these scanner feeds and say, uh, "Hey, will you take this down?" And Broadcastify basically says, "No, we're not going to." And they say, "Well, in the interest of law enforcement safety, we at least delay it by fifteen minutes." And Broadcastify says, "Okay, sure. We'll put it. We'll put a fifteen-minute delay on there." So if you're, exp- I'm trying not to get. I mean, I don't know why this angers me, but I hear all the time. Oh, well, Sam, I don't need a police scanner; I got the Five O scanner app. Well, you know, if you want to risk your safety and well-being on fifteen-minute delayed information, go right, go right ahead and do that. But me, I like my real time means real time. So that's one reason why I don't use Broadcastify or the scanner apps. Now, another problem with this is, uh, I tell you. Um, Sparks 31, I mean, he used to run a blog. He's a super cool uh, kind of combo, you know, signals guy. Talked about a lot of cool stuff. And, you know, he would always say, and I thought this was great, he would always say, don't depend on someone else's infrastructure. And when you listen to Broadcast uh, broadcast Fire or Scanner 5.0, you're, this is what you're hoping happens, okay? There's somebody who's local to wherever you're listening to, and he's got his... Police scanner, and he is—he's got an audio uh, cable, and he puts the audio cable from his scanner into his computer, and he uploads that into the Broadcastify server. Then Broadcastify takes that streamed audio, and then they rebroadcast it from their servers so that people can listen to it. Well, one thing we experienced in North Carolina, helping Cajun Navy relief do the search and rescue, is that uh, sometimes power goes out, especially in a disaster. And if the power goes out, your scanner feed goes down. So now all of a sudden, you're not going to be able to do any of that stuff on Broadcastify because that dude, you know, his computer's not powered or his scanner runs out of batteries or whatever. And then you might also get into the, you know, problem of Broadcastify just shutting down a feed because they've been known to do that as well. It's much better to have your local your scanner, and I've talked about lots of scanners before. The one that I really like, the Uniden Home Patrol 2, if your local area is broadcasting um, digitally, if they're digitally encoding, I'm not talking about encryption, but if they're digitally encoding their local transmissions, then the Uniden Home Patrol 2 is a great scanner. If if your local emergency services frequencies are encrypted, then you're just SOL. Unless you can get some encryption fill for the radio that they have. I don't know. I mean that's that's very very technical, case by case. Like you're probably not that dude that's gonna have that. You're probably not the dude that's gonna be able to get that. There are some things we can do if if the encryption if our local emergency services are using encryption, we can still direction find, okay, like, oh, wow, there's all these signals coming from, you know, 67 degrees, or maybe we can have a couple of buddies help out, and we can triangulate where all those emergency services frequencies um, or these emergency services transmissions are coming from. And then we, if we triangulate, we'll say, well, okay, great, at least we're, we know at, they're at the First First Savings Federal Bank on Bacalaca-Daca Street or whatever, but in terms of content, we're just not going to be able to get it so police scanners number one I highly recommend now if obviously if you're doing this remotely you've got to use broadcastify one one interesting thing that we were able to do in conjunction with Amron the american radio uh, sheesh the American readout radio operators network a m r r o n and preppernet In North Carolina, this is Hurricane Florence in 2018. Uh, I think it was, when was this? I don't remember when it was. 2018, I think. Uh, Once the power went out, we had ham radio operators who were in that area that we were in the area of operations there. Who were They were listening to the police scanner and then using ham radio to transmit things that they heard off the police scanner back to another ham radio operator who was on our Discord, who was then putting this information in Discord for us. So we had this kind of roundabout, indirect, vicarious way of still getting information from the local police scanner even though Broadcastify and all these scanner apps were offline because the power was out. So, you know, maybe that's something that you could engineer in your own area. I've talked on numerous occasions. Hey, Everybody's got to be developing a, a local and regional information sharing network. I think ham radio should play a role in that, especially for a grid down type of scenario where cells down, internet, everything's down. But, hey, we've still got battery-powered ham radio or solar-powered ham radio operators up and running who can still facilitate the sharing of information so that we're not completely in the dark in terms of information. All right, other radio traffic. If you're battle tracking something in your area, you know, in your town, or you're, you're within broadcast distance, or you know, you're within reception distance of the next city or wherever you are, uh, it's, I would highly recommend having a receiver, you know, and monitor local radio stations because they may have updates and stuff too. They may be playing the news on those stations during some kind of emergency. I would also be scanning for ham radio traffic or other VHF or UHF traffic or you know whatever whatever bands you have access to because you never know who's going to be conversing on there. And, you know, Sparks 31 used to say, listening is twice as important as transmitting. And he's absolutely right, especially for intelligence. My ability to listen in to a conversation between other people over the radio is way more important than my ability to transmit and chirp in and join their conversation, right? I mean, really, as an intel guy or as a signals intelligence collector or whatever, I don't want to key up. I never want to key up unless I absolutely have to. I'm way more content with listening and taking that information and adding it to my to my understanding of the situation. All right, so that's the second thing. So we got a police scanner, number one. Number two is monitor other radio traffic. You never know who's going to be out. Maybe it's nobody, but you never know what conversation is going to pop up on some bubble pack walkie-talkies. All right, and then next we have social media. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Twitter for, for real-time information. Not only can people stream, you know, it's super easy to stream a video or upload a picture or... You know, all these reporters will kind of, you know, as they're on the ground, they'll say, oh, you know, fi- uh, uh, we're hearing gunshots at whatever location. Or they'll take a picture and say, oh, they've just bashed the windows of the Starbucks and they've started a fire in the, the Capital One Bank building or, you know, whatever. And so we can take that information. Uh, and Twitter is just a great medium to monitor all that stuff. I continually tell people, go get a Twitter account. And it's not so that you can use it. It's not so that you can take pictures and show people what you had for dinner. It's so you can follow people, follow people, and and have this great stream of intelligence of information or Excuse me, of information of intelligence value. Same thing goes for Facebook. Uh, next is cable and local news. Again. It may, if you're consuming a lot of real-time information, what comes over cable and local news, you know, may have, look, information has a shelf life, especially in these riots, okay? My first introduction to this concept was when I was working at a field detention site in Afghanistan. SF teams or, you know, conventional units, whoever, would drop off their detainees at this field detention site and... My job would be to screen them for intelligence value and also threat value. And it was amazing because the information that they had to share right when they got to the the FDS, I mean, it might be like hours old. I mean, in other words, it's still pretty darn current. 72 hours later when they made it to the big house, like if we sent them up for... for uh, We sent them to the BTIF. Um, and they were there like days later. Well, that inf- who knows... I mean that information was probably no longer current. Days later, seventy-two hours later, may as well happen seventy-two years ago. Right? It's great for a history book. It's just not current. And it's the same thing with a riot. You know, by the time it trickles down and gets written into a script for cable news, you know, it may be fifteen minutes old, thirteen, sixty minutes old, who knows? Great for a history book, not great for current actionable intelligence. Intelligence has a shelf life. So also keep that in mind. Just because cable news it, or lo- your local news is reporting this right now, doesn't mean that it happened recently. maybe it's hours ago. and they're just getting now getting around to finding out about it. All right, um, So police scanner, other radio traffic, social media, cable and local news. And the fifth thing is human sources on the ground. One of the great things that we had during Operation Urban Charger, Battle Tracking Ferguson is we had people who lived there. We had a couple guys in law enforcement who were able to text us up information. It wasn't a lot because they obviously had their hands full with other things. But if you know people in law enforcement or you know people who know people in law enforcement, it would probably behoove you to get to know these folks and to get into a scenario where they feel comfortable sharing information with you. After all, if you're the intel guy, that's your end goal to get more people comfortable with sharing information of intelligence value with you. And if you're not doing that, you're not being a very good intel guy. And if that's not you, then you need to find somebody who is that guy, someone who is personable, someone who can build relationships, someone who can build rapport, Someone who can work themselves in, themselves into a situation where they can ask questions and they can get answers. So develop your local human sources. You know, every person in your community, or every person in your preparedness group, or your community security team, or whatever you have, everyone is a sensor. We used to say that in the army: every soldier is a sensor. Every soldier has an obligation to pass along information that may be of importance. That is an obligation. It's the same thing really with our our preparedness groups as well. All right. Well, we're over time, but I told you that I was going to share with you some lessons learned here from our battle track, the inauguration. Okay, Here, here are notes from our after action review. We met up at a a hotel in Austin, Texas. There was, I don't know, probably a dozen people there or so, 10 to 15. And we ran, we battle tracked the inaugurations. So here's here's some, some notes from the AAR. So number one, sustain. We had a physical ace. This was the first time, by the way, that we actually had a physical ace doing battle tracking physically, not primarily online, primarily in person. And, um, that was much easier. So a couple of those guys had been through the SHTF intelligence course. So they were kind of already kind of indoctrinated. They kind of already spoke the lingo a little bit. They already kind of knew what to expect. Uh, so that was the first sustain. Get do get people in a room because that's how you get real fast and effective communication among your teammates. um, the next sustain was the volunteers were mostly tech-savvy. Obviously, a lot of this stuff was conducted online. People who already knew how to run Twitter and do Twitter searches and look up hashtags, super convenient. People who already um, kind of knew the, the layout of these social media tools, obviously helpful. Um, oh, you know what? I said we were on Discord for all this stuff. That's actually not true. We were on Unseen. I don't even know what happened to Unseen, but Unseen was a end-to-end encryption tool. I guess they're still around. Uh, email in chat room. Uh, so if you can have some kind of you know online participation as well. If people can't be in the room with you physically, it's better for them to be online and still being able to receive taskings. It's like, hey, you, I'm tasking you to find this piece of information. Okay, great. Go find that information online and then report it back in the chat room. That's, that's phase two of the intelligence cycle. Um, number three, uh, expand our coverage of social media platforms. Oh, yeah, this was the first time that we actually had like kind of real-time um, full-motion video and, of things that were going on um number three i had a whiteboard in there you can buy an eight foot by four foot four foot white panel board for about i don't know 14 bucks or something like that we'll just call it 15 bucks buy one for the ace because it's great to write notes up there and you know have these dry erase markers and you know be able to put information up there so that you know it's not in one ear and out the other like things you got to do um you know or hey Update this in thirty minutes. Okay, great. Here is the next time hack for we need for when we need to update this. That way, everyone everyone can see that stuff. All right, um, my my real takeaway from all from these two events, battle tracking Ferguson and battle tracking the inauguration, have a good organization, good training, motivated teammates, and a capable ace chief. Those are the keys to your success. Make sure, and you know, this is like a. It's like being kind of being a football coach, right? You could have some all-star football players out there. But if they're not organized in the best way, if they don't know if they've never run these plays before, if they don't understand the coach's vision or they, you know, they don't have a good coach, they're probably not going to be an all-star football team. They're just going to be a bunch of standouts who can play football very well. They may not be a championship team. So really being the ace chief, getting used to tasking people, getting used to identifying your intelligence gaps, getting used to saying, okay, we need somebody to fill this intelligence gap. So task somebody to do it or do it yourself. And you know, the best time to be an ace chief is to battle track this stuff when you don't have to. That way you've done this, you've kind of gotten ingrained into it. You're 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 used to the battle rhythm. You know what needs to happen. And then so when you do have to do it for yourself... You've already got some experience. Um, all right, so just a couple of lessons learned. Um, let's see. Let me come through these notes here. Oh yeah. So my plan, one of my one of my collection or on my collection plan, one of my sources was to use traffic cameras to figure out where where the protests were or where the rioters were and ordinarily that would work very well but there was inclement weather and um i think for the uh for part of the inauguration there was like some fog or something or maybe it rained a little bit and so we didn't get as good uh, clarity or you know resolution fidelity on those cameras and then, after nightfall, those cameras were useless. So there's absolutely nothing we could look at on those cameras because we just couldn't see very well. We didn't have a clear view of the area. So, you know, kind of taking into consideration, hey, you might have perfect vision for roughly 12 hours out of the day, but the other 12 hours, you might not have anything in terms of your electro-optical sensors. Um, Google Earth worked moder- works moderately well dropping pins and, you know, because it's super easy to move stuff. It's super easy to draw boxes and polygons and, you know, these things on that Google Earth. Um, But I really do need to find a better collaborative mapping software. So if you have an idea, if you use something, I know people talked about or ATAC and some other things that we probably need to test out. Um, Please email me Sam at forwardobserver.com, if you have some uh, some pretty good ideas of what we might be able to use in the future. Um, I guess the third thing is when we're tracking these sources, uh, like on Twitter, for instance, right? We find a reporter who's providing lots of good information because he's like right in the heart of the riot or whatever. Um, we we weren't really tracking them I guess one of the ideas that I had is that you know, as we come across these people who are live tweeting a riot, stick them in a spreadsheet. Um, you know, I'll just read you directly from my notes. One very minor problem we ran into was having the ability to get information about an outbreak of violence but not being able to quickly navigate to the social media feeds that had previously uh, been confirmed in that area. So basically you know if we hear about uh, oh there's a car on fire on Bakalaka Daka Street uh, what we could do is go into our spreadsheet and look for the person who was nearest that you know or maybe even drop a pen take your take your reporter or take your you know live stream whatever go out and make a name for yourself on Twitter by live streaming Riots guy and, you know, drop a pin on their last known location. So if something does pop off, you know, we can look at the map and say, well, here's the guy that's nearest to this location. Let's go ahead and bring him up on Twitter and see if, you know, see if he's tracking that yet or, you know, what he's saying about it, whatever. All right. Well, that's probably enough for today. So I appreciate everyone, um, everyone's support, especially on Patreon. And that support really goes a long way. Um, I hope everyone stays safe. I hope you're able to use this information. If you are affected by riots in Louisville or anywhere between November to January, maybe even beyond, uh, I hope you stay safe. Use this information. I hope you took notes. or Maybe listen to this, listen to it once for a familiarization and listen to it again to really kind of get into the weeds of some of the things I'm talking about. Take notes. And the biggest thing is put this into action. It's, It's great if you kind of say, okay, I kind of know what battle tracking is. Like, yeah, I know the kind of mechanics of how this is is supposed to work. Actually practice finding these sources online and monitoring them. And uh, when information of intelligence value comes across, great, take that information, copy and paste it, put it somewhere and get into that op tempo because I don't want anybody to be slapped in the face the first time that they have to do this in real life. I want people to say, you know, I've done this with Sam once. And I've done it on my own in my prepper group a couple times. And now I know exactly what to do. I know it, I know how to do it so well that I can actually be an ace chief and run my ace to battle track this event in my local AO so that we're not surprised by things that happen as they're happening. All right, well, that does it for today's show. Everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, until next time, be well and stay out front.